So um, great to be speaking with you guys today. Today's message is a little different. Um, and if anyone's prepared sermons before, I don't know if you've ever kind of got part of the way through a sermon and think, no, that's not the thing to be preaching on. And then we go to another one. And so I kept having these moments, but then every time I, every time I then, okay, no, it doesn't feel right. And there was something in me. And then God just kept saying, no, you've got to do this. So I'm praying this will be a big blessing for you guys today. Um, and I felt very strongly going through, going through the process of prepping to, to do this. We've never done it before. It's not something I necessarily will do again. But 2019 recap. Um, that's the title for today. I um, got this picture because it's like a journey. And then I just used that font because I thought it went with the picture. I thought it was kind of cool. It was fun, right? Church is a fun journey that we're all on together. And so that's what um, we're looking at today. It's not a new lesson. It's not a new lesson today. Because every Sunday is God taking us further forward in the journey, teaching us a new thing, revealing new stuff to us, draw, drawing us deeper into him, deeper into a life with him. Today is us just taking a pause and thanking him for the last year and also thanking him in anticipation of the next year. Now, you guys who've been around for a while, welcome visitors as well. Um, you guys who've been around for a while um, know that we're not a very traditional church, but a traditional thing that more traditional churches have is they actually have a church calendar that has a rhythm of the church um, over the whole year. And the last Sunday in November is traditionally the last Sunday in the year for the church. So this is technically the last Sunday in the year before we go into the first Sunday of the year, which is Advent, the beginning. Okay. Um, and so one of the reasons church actually has this calendar and sets these rhythms in place is to help church, especially the guys speaking, not just focus on one of the Godhead, that actually the whole Trinity is focused on. There are other things as well, but that actually over the year you focus on Father, like the giving Father during Advent, and then the Son as well, the Son coming at Christmas, um, the Son, Jesus, been crucified at Easter, and then also the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, and the normal Christian life, that we walk out our lives in the Holy Spirit. So that's something that, whilst we don't follow it, I occasionally think about it, because it helps me make sure when, when we're sharing over the year that I'm not just focusing in, in one area or in one person of the Godhead. So we don't follow that tra tradition exactly, but our year is a journey where the sermons and the Sundays weave together, where they weave together in one, into one larger story. And if you've been here for a while, you'll have known how I've kind of, we've been on this journey where series links with series and we move through that. And the hope is that we're being transformed, that week on week it builds on each other, that we're being taken deeper into him, that we're being transformed. We're not just being informed, okay? It's not just dipping into occasionally on a Sunday to a few interesting things, okay? Oh, that's interesting. Just take that away. That actually, whilst you can do that, it's about growing us and transforming us as a, as a body. So guys, today before we go into Advent, before we go into that Christmas mode, today what I want to do is take stock of the past months, where, where we've come from. Not kind of just do another sermon and rush on and crack on with what's next, but to remind ourselves of some of the big ideas 
some of the core truths that he's been teaching us and leading us in this year. So today is about taking hold of what God has spoken to us. If you're here for the first time, welcome. And I hope that you guys will be blessed by the stuff that we go through as well. Um, that we take hold of the things that he's been saying to us and we take them with us into the next season, into what's ahead. There are those of you guys here who, uh, who after listening today, may want to track back, may want to re-listen to some of the messages, or maybe you missed a message, you want to come and get that, either from me or from online. So there may be certain truths that you remember in that moment really being challenged with, but then the busyness of life has just kind of swept them under the rug and then you've cracked on and other Sundays have come by. You may want to pick those things up today. Maybe at the end of today there's some challenges you've got and you've got questions you want to ask. If you end up with questions, please come and see me. Because, you know, the Sundays about us gathering together, particularly the sermon moment, it's not just some interesting thing and then we go away and live as if that hasn't been preached but that we are lives we often pray that that we'd go out of this place on a different level that we go out of this place where God's challenged us to live differently to think differently to be different and so over the year We've done five main series. There's been a whole bunch of other great guest speakers. I'm not going to focus on them, otherwise we could be here all night. But there's been five main series. And from last year, at the beginning of the year, we finished the Acts series. You guys who've been here for a long time will remember that. When's Acts going to end? For goodness, thank goodness. We got to Acts 28, and then there was Acts 29. No one knew that existed, and that we were in that for three weeks. And then we went, um, we had two Vision Sundays, and I'm going to be starting from the Sunday after the Vision Sunday, which is back at the end of February. We went into this series called Foundations. I had on my heart to that point preach to preach the prophetic, to preach a series on the prophetic. And God said, no, don't do that. You've got to preach this series on foundations. And if you guys were there in that series, it was a cool series where we had no idea really what was going to happen each week. And even the week that we finished, we had no idea it was finishing that week until the morning I was preaching it. And so it was, a, it was a cool kickoff to this year just being led by the Holy Spirit. So the five series were the Foundation Series, the Prophetic Series, Holy Spirit Series, Healing and Miracle Series, and the Holiness Series. So what I want to do is just do a bit of a high-level picture of the lessons, some of those main points, the core points from each one, just to remind us, to challenge us with. The, this year, the Lord has been laying this foundation in us as a church and has begun to draw us into a place where we're just willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. Not in kind of conceptual thought, but actually led by the Holy Spirit. Walking then and stepping out and learning about various power ministries like the prophetic, like healing. And also taking hold of our identity as family, what it means to, what sonship means, what it means to be his family here in Hong Kong, which is core to our vision. And so firstly, the Lord laid this foundation in us, this foundation series. There are five foundations that were laid. That's a five-part series. The presence of God. The presence of God. The first foundation. And the big idea in that message was God wants to be in our presence. 
God wants to be in our presence. Because so often we actually forget and think, actually, it's all about us trying to be good enough for God and get into his presence. When really the truth is God wants to be in our presence. That The whole story of humanity, the whole of the Bible is about God pursuing us, about God pursuing man. That in the tabernacle, he wanted to be there right in the center of the camp. That in Christ, he came to save us, that Jesus came to save us, to bring us into his presence, that God is rebuilding, says David's fallen tent, that today we've got to live in that place and presence of grace, not coming to God, not coming to the presence of God like the high priest with the, you know, the bells and the rope round his waist in, in law and sacrifice and fear to get into his presence. But because of Christ's sacrifice, we can now come into the presence of God. Just like that amazing moment of grace where David just goes and sits before the ark and has a conversation with him where the priests of David's time would come and minister and worship before the ark of the covenant. That we're now priests, that we are this royal priesthood. As Paul, as Peter writes about, that we are called into this life of worship, living in the presence and from the presence of God. If we aren't living in that place of presence, of abiding in him, how can we bear fruit? How can we bear fruit? Jesus says, abide in me, and I in you. You know, that, that we live in that place of abiding in the presence of God. How can we live the Christian life as he intended if we're not living from the presence of God? The second message was called, God is a good father. Does anyone remember what the um, big idea was from that? It was, God is a good father. I won't ask another one. <laughs> God is a good father. I'll drop that. That we need that foundation in our life. Because if God isn't a good father, then we are not assured of him. We're not assured of his goodness towards us. We aren't assured of his promises towards us. We won't live the way that he calls us to live. It's like if our assurance in his goodness is not solid and grounded. See, we can live lives free of worry, free of anxiety, assured of his favor, assured of his provision, assured that he has a good plan for us because he is a good father, not a changeable father, not an easily irritated father, but a good father. And more than that, the goodness of his fatherhood this is to do with our identity. The goodness of his fatherhood grounds us in the strength and the assurance in the fullness of our identity as children of God. His good, the goodness of his fatherhood grounds us in the fullness of our identity in our childhood as his kids. Third message in that series was called Kingdom Focused. Kingdom Focused. The big idea of that message was that we are citizens of a real kingdom. That we're citizens of a real kingdom. That we build this foundational mindset in ourselves. Remember, this is the foundation series. That we live from this place knowing that we are citizens in a real kingdom. That we build that into ourselves. That we have this understanding that and live as citizens of a real kingdom that we have real rights in this real kingdom that has a real king, Jesus, who has real power and real authority. 
And then we challenged ourselves saying, do we sometimes think that the kingdom's just this picture? Because that's what the enemy would love for us to believe, that it's just this picture. Do we sometimes live in a place where we think it's a story or a parable to help us understand our faith better and kind of contextualize our faith? And we reminded ourselves that Jesus told parables to explain the kingdom. Jesus told parables to explain the kingdom. He never used the kingdom as a parable or story to explain our faith. So it's important that we live knowing our citizenship, knowing that our citizenship has completely changed, that we've been moved, it says, doesn't it, that we've moved from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son, that how can we have the same rights? How can our lives be the same if we've been dwelling in the dominion of darkness and now we've been made citizens in the kingdom? Because a citizen has rights. God could have just said we're now strangers in the kingdom of God. We're not strangers, we're citizens with rights. Everything has changed. Everything is different. Our expectation of our lives in God as citizens in his kingdom should be completely different. Four was gospel grounded. And the big idea in that message was that the gospel grounds us. It grounds us that as believers, we need to make sure that our lives are grounded in the gospel and not as something else, not in something else. Even if it's a good thing, not in something else. Where is our security found? Where is our self-worth found? I said often in that message, I can't have my security and self-worth grounded in the church and how well the church is doing because you're the church. And that's unfair on you guys because that's me putting my whole self-worth in people, in you. It's changeable. But the gospel, the good news of God, we've got to ground ourselves in that. What is the foundation that you're building your life upon? We said that we often take good things, money, status, power, position. And they are good things. Remember King David? He had all of those things, didn't he? He had money, status, and power. He had them all. So in themselves, they're not bad. But what we can do is make a good thing like those things, and we make them into ultimate things. We make them into an idol. And we ground our lives on them instead of on the foundation of the gospel. We put our self-worth in them and having them as opposed to what we've been given freely in the gospel. And when they fall, which they so often do, our whole world comes tumbling down around us. We need gospel-grounded lives. And fifthly, the way of love. The way of love. This last foundation that we put in place, and these are kind of not like beginning, I've just come to faith foundations. These are foundations that we began to see was actually about walking in the Holy Spirit, walking out this life in the Spirit. So the way of love, and the big idea in that was that love challenges everything. That Jesus calls us not to love others like we love ourselves. But he gives us this new law. This is a new command I give you. Love each other as I have loved you. He takes the love bar and he moves it to heaven's standards. That love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
We said that, that actually, as we walk this out, the Holy Spirit's working in us and producing a fruit of love in us. This heaven love is growing in us. So when it helps us then love as Jesus loves, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so that then completely transforms the royal command, because it's still a good command. James mentions it, right? Love, love each other. Uh, sorry, love your neighbor as yourself. But now you're not loving yourself as you do would love yourself in your fallen nature, but you're loving yourself because of the work of the Holy Spirit in you as Jesus loves you. And so you love others with as Jesus loves you because you now love yourself differently. If you followed that, if you didn't, come last me at the end. The message was about laying this foundation of love in our lives from which we would then be able to walk out this life in the Holy Spirit. That we got to get that foundation of love, that all of our steps, that we walk in love, and we ended with this verse. And it was as I was prepping that message that the morning I was going to preach it, God just said, that's it, end now and go on to prophecy. And this was the verse, it said, walk in the way of love. 1 Corinthians 14.1, walk in the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy. And God just said to me as we were going through it, now you're ready, now the church is ready to deal with prophecy. It's pointless dealing with prophecy if you're not walking in love. That love is how we walk out that power ministry, how we walk out life in the Holy Spirit, and how we were. Because see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is God's love revealed to another. If someone's healed, it's not woo, amazing, some supernatural power thing. It is God is giving a gift to that person, and you're just partnering with God in love to see healing come to that person, see that person receive the prophetic word which is the heart of God's love for that person that just unlocks and sets them free. It's a ministry of love. And so it was, a, it was at that point we then took a pause and we launched from there into the prophetic series. We jumped off into that prophetic series. But actually, before we did that, we had one week in between. We had this one week in between, which was a preparing to build week, where the Lord led us to kind of do some house cleaning in our lives. And maybe this will encourage you. Maybe there's some bits that are still left over. Maybe it's new to you. And I encourage you in this. And it was a message from Esther. And if you remember the story of Esther... She brings Haman at the end into the, does this huge banquet, brings Haman there into the presence of the king. Brings Haman there into the presence of the king and says, this man's trying to destroy me. This one's trying to destroy me. And it was about us bringing the enemy, bringing the stuff in our life that's trying to destroy us into the presence of our king, our King Jesus, and say, this thing is trying to destroy me. Because you see, the victory's in Jesus. It's not in us leaving it at the church door and then not dealing with it and then just picking it up on the way out and suffering for the rest of the week. So then we went on, we started the prophetic series and this ran for eight Sundays. We started by looking at the origins of the prophetic, where it came from and how it changed and transformed from kind of the one individual guy, like a bit like Moses, where there's this one, one guy. And then as you go through the Old Testament, you begin to see more people, but like these prophetic bands, the prophetic bands begin to develop 
we get Joel and he has that amazing prophecy that is, the Lord's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, culminating in Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes and is poured out on all flesh. And that is the place that we live in today. Then we went, um, then in part two, um, that was called Prophecy Today, where we challenged ourselves in the validity of the prophetic and the importance of the prophetic for the church today. Because quite often it can just be pushed to the side, can't it? That's like a weird ministry, put them in the cupboard in the corner, you know. That, let's not deal with that. We're going to have, well, you can do that on a Friday night, something like that. That actually, we were, we were talking about that Jesus is the center of prophecy, that we, the church, are called to reveal God's heart of love to a hurting and broken world. And that's the core of what the prophetic is. Not telling the future, although sometimes that those kind of things come about, but revealing God's heart of love to a hurting world. That the Holy Spirit is the spirit of prophecy, that he speaks through us, that we need, that we need to engage. The third part was about the relevance and the realness of the prophetic. That it's not, you know, either that it's not really real, challenging that, or that it's not really relevant for us as church. That it isn't that fringe thing, but it's essential to God's plan here on earth. Because he wants to speak, and he speaks through his people. And when he's doing that, it's prophetic. It's relevant because we cannot do what God is calling us to do outside of this communication and connection to God, which is prophetic. It's like the prophetic, it's like a divine communication network. It's real and it's relevant to the church. That's why in the Bible it says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You gotta, it's, the prophetic is so important to have that. The fourth one was called prophetic practicalities. This is where the message has got a little bit more practical. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So we began actually looking less about the theology and the theory around it and actually, okay, well, how do you do this? What's some of the, what are some of the, what's it look like? Um, We spoke about ways we hear from God. And a number of different ways there, like dreams and visions, impressions, the audible voice of God, the telepathic voice of God, you know, the voice where it sounds like you're hearing it, but no one else hears it, but it's in your head. So we went through and we touched on a whole load of them. We looked at understanding the practical purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that it isn't about us getting some special gift, but actually about us partnering with God to deliver a gift to another, that they're the receiver of the gift. And then we ended that message kind of teaching on the various prophetic gifts themselves and how they're different. So we looked at prophecy and what prophecy was, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discernment, the four kind of revelatory gifts, what they are, how they differ from each other, and then how they interconnect and work together. The fifth part was called stewarding the prophetic. So often something that's not kind of picked up and dealt with. And it was a message about training ourselves as we begin to step out more in the prophetic to take the prophetic very seriously, that we steward the prophetic, 
that we are stewards of this incredible gift. Not just this kind of like, oh, there's a prophetic moment and kind of shotgun shoot from the hip, see what lands and then go home. You know, that actually we really steward this incredible gift that we should pursue it and steward it well. And we challenged ourselves about giving time to the prophetic, about being diligent in the prophetic, that we should keep a record of every word that we've ever given, that we've ever prophesied. And then a month later, two months later, follow it up. Check. Because sometimes our words can hurt people if they're wrong. Follow it up. Because they don't think you're wrong. They think God didn't come through. God was wrong. They lose faith. So be accountable in that. Follow people up. We did a teaching on how to get started in the prophetic as well. How to prophesy. We looked at these three stages kind of of getting a prophecy and giving a prophecy. Revelation, interpretation and application. And looked at sometimes as one person gets all of those parts. Whereas in sometimes you're going to need multiple people. You need three people sometimes to get all of those parts. So what's God saying? What's said? What does that mean? And how do we apply that to life? The sixth one was called priesthood and the prophetic. And this was kind of like a spiritually practical message. It was reminding us, there were two parts to it. It was reminding us of our identity as priests. As in the Old Testament, role of the priest was this connection to God. But now we are all called to be priests. We are this royal priesthood that we now all have a connection to God, not just a special few. So it was a message grounding our identity as children of God where we all have this connection to God. Not about, okay, well, they're super spiritual, so they can speak to God, but I can't. But we all can. Any follower of Jesus will pour my spirit out on all flesh and prophesy. And then we went on as well to look look at testing a prophecy. The importance to test all prophecy or all words that are given to you and kind of how to do that. And then we went into character and culture. Character and culture. The message was about the prophetic culture that we have as a church. A culture of love and peace. And say, okay, guys, this is where we've got to go. We've got to set up this culture within the prophetic of love and peace, a culture that reflects Jesus and nothing else. Because so often within the prophetic, and some of you guys may have experienced it, it can get a little toxic. It can get a little weird. And so we challenged ourselves as well in our character in which we're pursuing the prophetic. That we need to stay loving, that we need to stay credible, that we need to build credibility, that we remain with that relational accountability between people, caring for people's hearts, being humble, holding our hand up. When we go back to them saying, how did that go? Then nothing happened. You know, sometimes I'm not right the whole time. Sometimes I get it wrong. That we track our prophetic words to make sure people don't get hurt. That we're authentic 
in prophecy, that we are authentic. Because it's not about putting on a show, not about people making people think that you're amazing. You know, what I mean by authentic, maybe a good example is something like you just find out, hey, from someone such and such as literally this morning, just got a new dog and they've called it Buttons, okay? Um, and that's just a conversation. But then you go to them and say, I feel you've got a dog and it's called Buttons. They're like, wow, God's really speaking to you. And then you, then you say, you need to give a massive tithe to church. I feel God saying that to you. you know, so, what I mean is be authentic. If something's true, if you know it, when you're giving a, prof- a prophecy, you say that. I know this about you. And you can share that. And then if you feel revelation, then you share that. So just be authentic. Be real. So our character determines how well we can handle the prophetic gift. We challenged how we, sh- how we shared prophetic words, the language that we used, because that is so important. Going to someone say, your name is David, and they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> Whereas, ask the questions, that's what we were saying, ask the question, does the name David mean anything to you? You have a heart condition. No, I don't. Boom, shut down. But if you go to someone and you feel God's putting that very strongly on your heart and you went to them and you said, God's speaking to me at the moment about a heart condition. Is that relevant to you or anyone close to you in any way? And then the person is different, right? Because then the person says, oh, actually, my grandfather and my father both died of a heart condition. I don't have anything, but I live in so much fear that that's going to happen to me. And that prophetic word, you maybe, if you'd just gone, just gone for it, could have so easily been confused as a word for healing, as actually as a word for deliverance from fear. That they need to pray and have fear broken off them. So, that's why it's so important we, we ask right. Then the eighth part was faith and the prophetic, faith and the prophetic. And we looked at how they interrelate. We encouraged ourselves in kind of the nature of faith in the prophetic, that it's confidence in Jesus, not in, not in our faith, not in our ability to believe. We looked at our capacity for faith, like what's going on inside us, the, your inner faith capacity, what are you filled with? Because we've only got so much space inside us. We asked ourselves as well, who are we looking at in the situations? Are we looking at Jesus or something else? We looked at a system of growing in faith and how we walk in that. And then also challenged our risk-taking about taking faith risks for him, stepping out. And that was cool because over that series and then subsequently we saw people stepping out and stepping out and actually giving prophetic words. We saw people released from things. It was very cool. We had people in church, weeks after we'd finished the series, where people were giving prophetic words kind of in the worship time, and people were in tears because God had been speaking to them, moving them, and the prophetic word was like an arrow right into their heart and just broke them. You see, what God can do, that's why it's so important for us to have it in church, because what God can do in a moment could take months of kind of pastoral care. But God's word, boom, can just open up someone's heart, set someone free, just in that one moment. So we then went on to the Holy Spirit series. This is coming to summer, maybe new for some of you guys, because I know a lot of folk traveled in the summer. We had Pentecost, and then we had one, the, the Holy Spirit. And the core, the big idea around that was that God is with us. 
Do you guys remember the McDonald's sermon? Do you guys remember that one? Yeah? The McDonald's sermon, for those of you guys who aren't here, is that this was kind of about walking with God, that God's with us, and I didn't listen to him, and I was trying to like prep, just prep downstairs, and I couldn't prep there, so I went to all the places I felt comfortable to prep, and I just was so frustrated and couldn't do it. And I was walking around, and then I just remember the Holy Spirit saying, this is about you walking with me, and you've not even asked me about where you should prepare. So I said, okay, where should I prepare? And he said, go to McDonald's and write it on your phone, not your laptop. So completely outside of my own comfort zone in a sense, like not the best place for me to prep, not bad place for me to prep and bad, um, bad it's better to write on a computer, right? Um, and I went there and I was writing for maybe five, ten minutes, and then the power of God just fell on me. Cycling McDonald's, and I just felt the power of God going through me. So, and I tried to write, and then I just had to put the phone down because my fingers stopped working. And it was just this amazing God experience where it was just, just saying, yeah, it is about me being with you. And that sermon, within that, it was about, we challenged ourselves to get our heads out of the religious stuff, even the conceptual stuff, and what it really means to live with the Holy Spirit day in and day out. The second part was called saturated. And that message was about being completely saturated inside and outside by the Holy Spirit. If you've never heard the word saturated used so many times in a 40 minute space, Go listen to that message, because I've used it more than I've ever used it in my life. We didn't, it was about not just engaging with the Holy Spirit on a Sunday, but 24-7 that we're walking out of this place, we're going into our jobs and whatever we do, filled with the Holy Spirit, with his power in us and all around us, with the, that we're walking this life being completely saturated in the Holy Spirit. We looked at as well there, what is spiritually going on when someone actually receives the Holy Spirit? When someone gets saved, what is actually going on? And then there was this sermon after I came back from the UK called Sons of God, which is a pretty wild sermon. If you missed that one, you should go and listen to that one because it's pretty wild. And the big idea in that message is that we are sons of God or daughters of God destined to rule and reign with him. And there's a lot of stuff in there to do with the mega story of sonship, because we aren't, humans aren't the only ones in the Bible called sons of God. The big story of sonship. And then also, there's a lot in there to do with heavenly beings, the early days kind of after the fall, and also the divine counsel, and how this big story of sonship in the Bible highlights just how significant our sonship is, our childhood is and why it's important that we understand that sonship. And then we kind of drew that into the prophetic series of this message, Sonship and the Spirit. And the big idea was with that was that children of God are led by the Spirit of God. I've said that a lot in the second half of the year, that children of God are led by the Spirit of God. See, this was a key moment in the year for us. I think this is one of the key things we've been challenged with. Under, this kind of un, partly in understanding our sonship. Okay, for us as a church, our vision is family and harbour. So family, 
The highest part of family is understanding what it means for us to live as children of God here in Hong Kong. Not just, yes, the family stuff, i.e. like marriage courses, parenting courses, family things, like practically like that, but actually it's pinnacle that we live as children of God here in this place. So that was a big challenge there. But also this doctrinal truth that we should be led by the Holy Spirit. Not just speak to or kind of engage with him when it's kind of convenient, but we should be led by him, be totally led. You know, for me this year, the most challenging verse for me this year has been Galatians 5.25. The Spirit has given us life. He must also control our lives. I've been really challenged with that. Letting him lead, letting him control my life. With church, just saying, okay, you tell us where to go. Tell us where to go. The fourth part was called heirs of God. And the big idea was to dare to take up your inheritance. Because, yeah, there's an eternal inheritance, but there's an inheritance now. And this message dived into what our inheritance is as his child, how we have this inheritance, though, not through our own works and effort, but because of grace, that we have this inheritance in Christ and we partake in his inheritance. And we spoke about our rights, what our rights are now that we're called heirs, not just children, but heirs. How our standing has changed. And we challenged ourselves into living as heirs and taking up what's been promised, living in nothing less than that. And then the last one in this series was called The Dream and the Spirit. And this was all about our heart's desire, our vision, our dream, our purpose. What is it that God is calling us into? What's the thing that God's put on your heart to walk into? Because we've all got dreams. We've all got vision. And the big idea in that message was God has wired us to dream and he leads us into the dream. It's not just there's a dream I've given you, just go and do it. Go fulfill it. I'll see you later. We, and we spoke about that we have the power to dream God-sized dreams. We've got this capacity of God-level kinds of dreams. That dreaming changes the world. You know, are your dreams too small? Did you have a massive dream, but actually culture or family or people have said, ah, that's a little bit too much. Tone it down a little bit. Dream big, because he's the one leading us into the impossible. We, we challenged ourselves in who is leading us into the dream. Are we letting the Holy Spirit lead us into the things that we're dreaming for or not? No, Holy Spirit, I need you to help in these ways, because this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. I found it's way simpler just to let him lead. You know, it's like sometimes I'm going for stuff and I'm climbing up a rock face and the Holy Spirit says, why don't we use the escalator they put in over there? So it's like, oh, yeah. I forgot we're in China, we've got escalators to go up the mountain. <laughs> Those of you guys who traveled to the Great Wall will know what I mean. Okay. And then from that place, sorry, just to end on that, that there's a message about pursuing your vision and your purpose in this effective way, avoiding as well the obstacles that kill and stop your dreams. Because there's so many things, worry, fear, anxiety, doubt, 
the stuff people chuck at you, the obstacles the world chucks out, that can just completely floor the dreams that God's put in your heart. And then we went into this Healing and Miracles series, which many of you guys kind of connected with the church, looking out kind of through that series at some point. The first part was really looking at what, what are the foundations? What does the Bible, what's the Word of God say concerning healing? And the second one was called Covenant Reality, that we have a hope in healing and miracles and the breakthrough, God's breakthrough in our lives, because He is a covenant-keeping God. Because in Christ, every blessing was won and every curse was broken. Every curse was completely defeated. That understanding covenant is so important for living strong, particularly in the area of this breakthrough of healing and of miracles. We looked in part three at faith. And that, in some senses, was a little similar to the prophetic message on faith. But we focused there on... um, particularly with healing and miracles, faith in that that angle. We went through what faith is. We challenged ourselves that faith is a choice, that faith's a choice we get to live in. That's a lifestyle we choose to live walking by faith and not by sight. Also, we highlighted in that message to do with James, what he says. Because James says, actually, do you remember he says rejoice in trials? Crazy, huh? James is a crazy Rejoice in trials. Why? Because it's this opportunity to exercise your faith. He's writing at that time to guys undergoing a lot of hardships. They flee. Do you imagine they they flee and they've been scattered around? They're looking for work. They don't have money. They need shelter. All these kind of things. It's an opportunity to have faith. It's really hard to have a beautiful testimony of God's provision, having faith for provision and seeing God come through if you have no lack. Right? It's very hard to experience a miracle and ha- like have that faith muscle, like the weights in the gym, test it out and say, okay, I need faith for a miracle, we're going to believe for this miracle. It's hard if you don't need a miracle. So if, in those moments of trial, if you think of James, he's saying, yes, it's a great opportunity because God is the breakthrough. Now this is an opportunity that we get to exercise our faith muscles. My faith has grown so much through the various times when suddenly we have no money, you know, or we need God to come through. It's God's, God can come through when we have no other option, you know. Part four, getting a bit more practical, was called what do we, what we see? What we see. And this message focused on what we see. This message focused on what we see. What are we seeing with our eyes of faith? What are we seeing with our eyes of faith? We challenged ourselves to see the healing, see the miracle, even before it's physically evident. We stand in that place of seeing what hasn't yet come about. Something that was particularly, I found it really exciting in that message, was learning about the sanctified imagination or imagining with God that we challenged ourselves to imagine and that God uses our imaginations to help us see the unseeable. We said about, actually, you know, sometimes people be like, well, okay, that's a bit strange, right? Using our imaginations with Christian stuff. But actually, when Jesus says these things and greater things than these you will do, how are they going to know the greater things and to pray the greater things if they can't use their imagination to imagine the greater things that they need to pray for and have faith for? 
we reminded ourselves as well that God can do more than we can ever even imagine. So he can do a lot. That God can do, it says, doesn't it, that God can do all things. And that was one of the big challenges from this message. God can do all things, so that should impact what we see, what our expectancy is, what we're hoping for, that we need bigger thinking concerning what God is up for doing. You know, sometimes we go to him with a little tiny request, kind of in fear that he's even going to, oh, God, would you mind doing that? It's like he's trying to, he's saying, come on, think big, think big. If it's, if it's big, if it's, if it's uh, not, if you're thinking for something, maybe it's a dream and a vision, and you feel it's too big for you, perfect. Perfect. That's God-sized. Part five, power of the tongue. The big idea in that message was that words are powerful. Words are powerful. Your words, guys, are powerful. What we speak is powerful. Throughout that message, we challenged ourselves to speak in faith, to be speaking out, to act. Said that little quote, speak what you seek until you see what you've said. Speak what you seek until you see what you've said. Be pregnant with something. Speak what you seek until you see what you said. Now keep going, keep going. Keep going, keep going. Read God's word aloud. We said about that. Saying it aloud, that there's power in reading things out. Power in your ears, hearing it audibly. That there is power in speaking out the word of God because it is an act of faith. And faith moves God. Part six was that tough question around healing, particularly. That tough question, why doesn't everyone get healed? And we took that question and we held it up in the light of eternity. And we stirred ourselves to have faith, certainty, that we, we were brave and bold. We would take risks for the today, that God does heal. But then also encouraged ourselves and reminded ourselves that in God's big picture... Life for the believer is the only option. Like when the, when the disciples, not the disciples, but followers of Jesus were put into the, fed to the lions or put to fight the lions in the Roman arena. Many of um, archaeologists have found them with smiles on their face and, that, and wondered why. Because life is the only option. Maybe the body stops working, but life is the only option. The option of death being separated eternally from God is gone. So either completely healed, sorry, either healed, brought back from the dead physically, either nothing happens and they carry on in life, or their body breaks and they die and just pass straight into life. Death is not an option. And we also challenged ourselves in that on how we live, on our habits, because often a lot of sicknesses and diseases just a lifetime of bad habits. Part seven, the last message there in that healing and miracle series was called established, about having an established heart. What is your heart established in? We looked at getting established in God. And that was in two parts. There was meditation, giving time in Christian meditation, taking time in quiet and stillness, listening to the Holy Spirit. And we said, we said that phrase that meditation is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. How much time do we give to just fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit? 
We ask the question, what is our heart established in? Because we need to have hearts established in his grace, in his truth, in many, many of the promises that we've looked at over the, over the whole year. That our hearts, not just our heads, need to be established so that no matter how crazy the storm gets, no matter how hard the challenges we face are, we won't get rocked. And then since beginning of November, we've done a two-part mini-series on holiness. And it's short, but it's really important. It's such an important element to so much that we've looked at over, the, over this year. The first part was called holiness, the basics. What holiness is and the, the different kinds of holiness, i.e. when we come to faith, we're made holy, we're declared holy. Paul says that we are a holy nation, not later on when you die and go to heaven, you will be a holy nation, but that you are a holy nation. But that there's also the Holy Spirit is working within us, that he's sanctifying us and there is this progressive holiness that we're growing in, that it's the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to holiness. What is holiness? That holiness is a root, not a fruit. That holiness is the root, not a fruit. I.e., we are not holy in order to get to God. We don't live holy in order to be acceptable to God. But the other way around, we've got to God, and because we've got to God and have experienced his love and favor and forgiveness, we live holy because living holy answers that question in everything that we do, does this please the Father? Does this please the Father? And we challenged ourselves in that for every single area of our lives, how we live, the decisions we make, to filter our lives through that filter, through that matrix, whatever you want to call it, through that question, does this please the Father. And then in the second part, we looked at holiness and power. And then actually over time they split apart and they're coming back together. But the importance of having them join together in the church. That holiness positions us best for power where our hearts are completely free. But then also, holiness keeps us safe in the power as well. Safe from temptations of what sometimes experiencing the power of God or power ministry can bring. We challenged ourselves in opening up every single area of the life, our lives to the Holy Spirit in order to come in and challenge us and change us. So we've, that's, up, that's us up to date. So we've um, come to the start of this new year, Advent next week. And so just as we kind of were drawing to an end now, but today I just wanted us to take stock of what we've looked at over the past year, what, what God's been speaking to us. If you want notes, I can give them to you. If you want sermons, they're online up into Pentecost. And then Richard, love, the Holy Spirit departed us from Pentecost happened in Canada and he, um, he's gone. So we haven't actually loaded any more on, but I have them so I can share them with you if there's any particular ones you want. Um, 
So we've gone over this year through a load of material. We've challenged ourselves in lots of ways. Well done for you guys as well that have taken up challenges, that have gone and prayed for the sick, whether it's happened or not. Well done for taking the risk. Well done for going and giving the prophetic words, whether, whether it kind of landed or not. Well done for taking those risks of faith in God. Many of you guys who have done things that this time last year you wouldn't have dreamed you could do. Some of you have trusted God with stuff that you would a year ago not have trusted God with. Some of you guys have let him into areas of your life and not and not kind of kept that door shut to him, let him into areas of your life to work on and seen transformation in that a year ago that door was tightly shut, was tightly closed. So guys, well done. We're, we are on a journey together. We're on this beautiful journey together as a church, unfolding our individual stories, right, in your work, in the things God's calling you into, in your relationships and families. We're on our own individual stories, but also together as community, as a church. We're unfolding, in some ways, each other's stories, because we're all connected, but also unfolding the story of Destiny Hong Kong. And all the while, week by week, month by month, year by year, growing more and more in maturity in him, more and more into that vision of being his family, reflecting him, living as kid, children of God here in Hong Kong, reflecting him to the world here. Guys, I want to encourage you, prioritize the Sundays, prioritize gathering together. If you haven't already prioritized attending and being part of a small group, they're kind of two essential parts of that, that journey, those points in the week that we're going on together. A few hours on a Sunday, one evening every two weeks. Most of our groups would just run every two weeks. But those little moments can completely change your life. I am I'm excited for what the next year will hold, for where we're going to go, for the things we're going to see. I'm, I'm excited for the things that we're going to do, for the, for, I'm excited for the places that we'll go, for the new stuff we'll start, for the adventures that we're going to have, for the people that are going to be in here who last year weren't here, pray for that, for the people who at the moment don't know Jesus who will know Jesus, for the people who are sick who will be healed, for the people who are currently in bondage who are going to be set free. It's, gonna, it's exciting. That's why we do it. It's not as a club, you know, and to have cake, although it's amazing cake. Thank you, bakers. You know, that it is this beautiful journey. It's a beautiful journey. This year, we've moved into this venue. Hey, we've been up here since the beginning of October. That story is almost like us having to keep up. Normally, I feel that church is like trying to drive and push to get a building. So this has just been trying to keep up with God's blessing just pouring on us. So we've moved up into this new venue. We've seen home groups start. We've seen teams grow. Awesome day to see Christy and Sarah playing together. Amazing, amazing step. We've seen more people serving. We've seen healings over the year. We've seen prophetic words. We've seen some people reconnect with church. We have some, we've seen some people saved. Although, I want to see many more come into faith. Be praying for that, guys. Pray for Sai Kung, pray for Hong Kong. But we see many more people just have their hearts set on fire by the gospel. 
We saw Destiny launch in Nepal last weekend, right? The first step in part of that vision of harbor that we would see churches planted from here all out and around Asia. It's exciting. Many, many exciting things. What will 2020 hold? What is he doing in your heart? Where does he want to take you? Where does he want to take us? Very exciting. So, Sarah, can I invite you to come back up? What we're going to do now, guys, is just... Oh, and Christy, sorry. Worship team, can I invite you back up? Um, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> we're going to have the, um, this ministry time now, and it's just responding. It's kind of like a... It's a we're going to have some prayer time, and then we'll go into our last song. It's a moment to say thank you. It's a, Roman, a moment to say thank you to him for the past year and also to say thank you to him in anticipation for the next year. So please be praying, praying for all of these things. If there is something from today's message that maybe you've been reminded about or maybe you weren't there on that one and you think, oh, wow, yeah, I need to pick that up. You know? Write it down, commit it to God. Now's a moment before we go into all the busyness of the rest of the week for you just to have a time, you and God. So guys, let's just have this great moment of prayer and worship, just thanking God for what has passed and thanking him for what is coming. If you are here today and you would personally like prayer, someone just to come round, just put your hands in your lap, flat and open, face and with your palms facing up and that'll just be a sign for one of our someone to come around and just pray with you just going to pray father i thank you for this year i thank you for the blessings on each and every person here i thank you for all their personal stories their individual stories the things that many of us don't even know about and the breakthroughs that you've seen in, in people's lives outside of this place, God. I thank you for the breakthroughs for church and us as a community, the things that you've taught us, the things that you've grown us in, God. Lord, I thank you for the breakthrough that we've seen, God, the, the growth in the church, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, the, um, for, for challenging us that we would walk in power, that we would walk in the prophetic, that we would walk in healing, God, that we would walk just solidly, firmly grounded in you, God. Lord, and I thank you for what you're going to do next year. I thank you for what you're bringing about next year. God, I thank you for just the blessing that you're bringing to us. God, we're expectant of your favor. We're expectant of, of the growth of this place. God, we're expectant of salvations. God, Lord, we ask for salvations in Jesus' name. Many, many people coming back to you. Lord, I pray for every single person here that there is an excitement and, a, and an expectation going into this Christmas season, God, of what you are going to do in the year ahead. What you're going to do. That we would be a people who are led by you, Holy Spirit. That we would be a people walking out our lives in your footsteps. As you lead us just into fullness of life and victory. In your mighty name, amen.